Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Reviewed Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and with me are Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. And uh, this is the podcast where we uh, review old movies or classic movies and talk about them in a modern cinema context. Modern cinematic context. There we go. And uh, today's episode, we are going to talk about Sam Mendes's Road to Perdition, um, which actually came out in 2001, I believe. Dave, back me up. I, I think so. Either 2001 or 2002. Somewhere in, 2003. somewhere in the early <laughs> It was 2003? Let's use Wikipedia. Let's find out here. All right. Um, uh, the, uh, I th- the, the reason that actually it's interesting to talk about a movie like this is because we can start talking about what defines classic cinema. When I first posed the idea of this podcast, I was thinking, oh, only movies you know, from the 80s and before, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, 2003 is... 10 years ago now. Yeah. And when when does that dictate like when something becomes classic and all that uh, jazz? So we'll get into a little bit of that discussion and also just kind of talk about the movie and what our thoughts are and what our feelings are. So, um, Well, you should maybe bring up why I, I brought this up as a list of possible movies. Is that a reasonable thing to, to talk about on the podcast or, or not? Well, well, no, yeah, absolutely. No, this is, um, it's a father. Well, let's talk about what the movie's actually about. This okay. is a, a Tom Hanks vehicle directed by Sam Mendes and actually starring Daniel Craig and Jude Law as well. And the movie is, uh, takes place in Prohibition and it's about a hitman who works for the mob and his son finds out what he does and they kind of join up in this fateful summer um, in, uh, you know, you know, Prohibition America. And uh, the interesting thing about this movie is it's about fathers and sons, right? That's like right. the general theme. And the reason Dave wanted to talk about this is he's a newly, he's a new father. Correct. How old's your daughter, Dave? Uh, just turned nine months. And I'm about to have a child for the first time. Right. So um, I know there's a lot of themes that, you know, we can kind of relate to with we kind of embark on this new aspect of our life. And, you know, Mike's just sitting there looking pretty. <laughs> looking very <laughs> single right now. <laughs> he's available, ladies. Um, That's okay. You, ha- you, you had a father. Did you, I you mention? You have, have a father. I mean, yeah. you, you're, you know, Absolutely. it's also about sons. Think, yeah, I don't think it being uh, oh, expecting a child or having a child mm-hmm. is... Uh, no, that's the only way you can yeah. enjoy this movie, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, Starting it off right. <laughs> I just want to say for the women out there, Mike is on a podcast. So if that All is right. a way. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a, uh, it's an interesting film because um, I remember in the summer before this actually came out, it received a lot of, um, like, there was a lot of buzz, like, leading up to the movie. Like, this is going to be a humongous Academy Award winner, and there's so much creative pedigree behind it and all that. And uh, and then it you know, hit the Oscars, and I don't think it was nominated for Best Picture that year. So, no. which is, it's kind of interesting, um, you know, how expectations differ from what, you know, the film actually itself performed and so forth. But enough talking on my end. I want to go to you, Dave. What did you think about Road to Perdition? What are your thoughts on this film? Okay, well, uh, I probably fall somewhere in the middle uh, between, from what I understand, Mike's feelings and your feelings. I, I'm, a, I'm a like it somewhere, I would say, a three out of four for me. Um, I was a, a fan of American Beauty when it came out, so I was looking forward to this movie when it came out. I was a fan of Tom Hanks. Um, I, I I like it. I mean, it, you know, I, I felt like watching it now, I haven't seen it in a few years, I feel like it aged fairly well. I can see why someone maybe wouldn't like it. A lot of it does... Uh, seem a little maybe heavy-handed, um, as a lot of Sam Mendes' uh, films probably seem. Um, but uh, let me just talk about, I think, what I liked about this movie a lot. And I think you can't deny that this movie looks great, just like when we talked about Blade Runner. looks terrific. Um, you know, the production design is great. The cinematography is great. It won, I think it won the Oscar for uh, Best Cinematography that year. Posthumously, it was Conrad Hall. Uh, Pretty sure. Conrad, Conrad. Yes. I'm such an idiot. I went to his IMDb page. I'm like, he hasn't worked in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. you know, he also shot In Cold Blood, and uh, so if you, you know, he's he's got some classic films on his on his resume, uh, and I'm pretty sure he shot American Beauty too. So if nothing else, I think this movie's worth seeing just for the look of it. And I'm partial to a lot of things in the movie: diners, snow, uh, the, that period. Um, you know, there's a lot of things where I'm like, I just eat this stuff up, you know, and um, the acting, the acting was pretty uniformly terrific, I'd say, except for the kid who I was not a big fan of. Um, Agreed. 
so that was, you know, I, that, that's how I felt back then when I saw it, and that's how I still feel. I felt Tom Hanks was good. I thought Paul Newman was great. Um, he wasn't doing a lot of movies. There weren't a lot of movies left um, in him at this point. But it was, you know, going back and seeing Paul Newman, you know, he has a lot of different kind of eras in his in his career. And this was like his, you know, nobody's fool to, to you know, whatever the middle 2000s. He had like this kind of grumpy grandpa, but mellow and very confident. Um, I thought it was, you know, I thought he was terrific uh, in it. It was interesting to see Daniel Craig. I mean, of course, at the time, you know, didn't know who Daniel Craig was. But seeing it now, you know, and, and he was in Skyfall, who was also was also directed by Sam Mendes. It's interesting to see them paired up in a different way. He was skinnier, he's wiry, he's you know, it was interesting, too, yeah. right? And at the time, Jude Law was probably the the biggest star aside from Tom Hanks, and his performance was also very interesting. I mean, seeing him all wiry and weird, and um, as is kind of like, you know, there's lots of movies with weird assassins, but I, I felt like his was one of the more interesting, weird assassins that I'd seen. Um, so overall, I liked it. I didn't love the ending. Uh, I didn't, you know, I felt like uh, it has a bookended voiceover narration. I'm not really a huge fan of narration. Um, didn't really grab me emotionally, I would say. <laughs> um, but uh, overall, as um, as is an interesting gangster picture, you know, kind of falls into this, into the same kind of category as. Um, Maybe Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie, which is I like a lot more. Um, and uh, maybe maybe I think I was going to bring this up. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, it feels like a lot of that style and, and tone I find in a, in, a, in a show like Boardwalk Empire. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I feel like it's a hard movie not to like, which so I'm interested to see <laughs> why you don't like it. Um, but I can, see, I can see why you wouldn't love it. I mean, the, the action is well staged, I thought. The acting is good. Uh, you know, and the direction is pretty pretty well done overall. I thought so. Those are my thoughts. All right, Michael, you're up. Yeah, I, uh, I really did enjoy it. I liked it a lot. I'd give it a uh, four to maybe four point five. I'd probably keep it to four out of five stars. But you got to come up with a universal rating system. You want a four star rating system? You're on a five star. No, no, no. I did three out of I did three out of four because that's what Roger. I, mean, I always come back to four because what Roger. Even, I'm, I'm working four. on the five star. Yeah, most people do five because that's, that's uh, kind of the common thing now on the internet. Right. Everything's five. Yeah, but no, overall, I really did, I liked it. Um, I think emotionally, um, it affected me a lot. I think visually, I really liked a lot of the uh, thematic elements, fathers and sons, violence. Um, and I think they did a lot with visual elements. I think um, uh, I'm a big fan of Terrence Malick's work. I think he does a lot of stuff where it's very visual and they get you on an emotional level just by seeing things subconsciously. And uh, I had done some reading and they said that when they shot this movie, they wanted to go with very um, little, di minimal dialogue if they could and do everything visually and kind of explain things that way. And I felt like they really, uh, they nailed that in that sense. I want to talk about all the symbolism I saw uh, in the visual elements of the film. Um, Tom Hanks, fantastic. I mean, the acting was great, Dave, like you said that. Um, the mustache in particular. Fantastic Excellent. stash, <laughs> great stash, bringing it back. Um, but but no, I, actually, the one thing I didn't like, I really didn't like, was Jude Law's character. I felt like he was like shoehorned into the plot. I felt like he was cartoony. In fact, a critic actually said that his acting was almost cartoonish is what, what he said um, didn't feel like a real character to me I felt like everything else felt very real I felt he gets to Jude Law's character he felt like a comic book character I mean I know that the movie's based on a graphic novel but it didn't feel real to me compared to everybody else it just seemed like this like hokey like almost like a super villain like a guy who photographs dead people and he's also a killer like it just seems like he would be was too developed a little like given, Dexter maybe <laughs> yeah exactly it just, he, wait, the minute he came into the movie I felt like there was a shift things started feeling different to me um but uh, overall, I like what they did with the theme of father and son. Um, how, what, what, what kind of legacy you want to pass on for your son? What you want to give them? What kind of opportunities you want to give them? And how they, you want them to live? Um, so right. And if we can talk briefly about the ending, I mean, he you know he does. Well, let's call it off for a second. Let, let oh the sure. Beginning. I sure. mean, it's an old movie. We're not going to spoil okay. anything. But sure. I just want to kind of get general thoughts in, and then we'll start going to specifics like sure. that. Sorry. Um, no, it's fine. Get off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're out. Bye, guys. You're out of the band. No, I, I don't want to make the impression I dislike this movie. I do not dislike the movie. I just, I almost feel like this film, like if I were to read a textbook about how to make an amazing movie, this would hit every one of those buttons. It is 
gorgeously shot. So much so that it is, the cinematography is almost distracting about how good it is. Like, like you're you're almost taken out of a scene because the production design is so amazing, and because the cinematography is so amazing. Now, I, that that's actually a compliment for it because it just looks so damn good. Um, I think the performances are all fine. I had no issue with the the boy. I think. Children's acting is hard to judge for me. Like, I can never watch a child actor and determine whether or not they're... Like, it's hard to... Because the kids... Capturing a natural child on camera, I think, is just, like, incredibly difficult. So I, yeah. I, I, was, I was fine with that. I just never got... I, I understood I should be feeling something watching this. Like, I, I got that I should be feeling the emotional beats, but I never quite registered with them. Hmm. So that was my big issue, is... Um, like the ending, I think, should be emotional because you're watching you're watching something go down between Tom Hanks and his son that should be resonant, but it just doesn't. I felt cold, and I, I and I don't know why that is, and I don't know whether it's the lack of dialogue that you're talking about. Mm. I don't know whether or not um, Sam Mendes is such a technician. He's such um, his craft is so high that maybe I was only I could only. It's almost like you're you're so distracted by how good it looks and like all the technical things, and maybe this is just me as someone who like. Is into filmmaking, but like, I, yeah. but like, I, it's hard for me to turn my brain off. Like, well, how do they shoot this scene? And how do they shoot with the rain in this scene and the snow well, and all that kind of stuff? Same like, thing. I was going through taking notes on like, oh, look at that, what that symbolizes. That's amazing. But I, for me, it still didn't take me out of things. I was taking notes. I was like half watching, half writing. But still, for me, I, I think I was, I was still emotionally affected. So, so yeah. the question I have is, what do you think could have changed in the movie to make you feel those emotional beats? Um, I feel like um, I think the movie needed to get to its point where the, fa- the the main the main drive of the movie is the father and son going on the road together, right? And that's where you should start feeling the bond between these characters. And I feel like we could have gotten to that point sooner. Um, I never felt like there was an overarching sense of menace because Jude Law's character is so comical and yeah. so and so over the top and weird, and he's like you said, a comic book villain that all the um, all the realistic elements feel lesser than because of that, I, I feel like. And yep. I, I also lost – I feel like if I were to write this movie, I would never have included a Jude Law character. I would have made the overarching villain, the um, uh, Paul Newman's character, and made that more of a, uh, an actual confrontation between Guy going on his master, that kind of thing, which, again, is cliche in its own way. But I feel like that could have been an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that relationship, though, I think. The, he Because he's the father-son relationship mm-hmm. there. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, um, you mentioned, you actually mentioned in the graphic, it's based on a graphic novel, which is true, but in the graphic novel, there is no Jude Law character. Right. They, they, which put, is, him, they put him in, which is for me, I think it, one of the reasons why. And you can just tell, why. it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't mesh with the movie. And, um, and I'm not, you know, begrudging Jude Law's performance. I think he, uh. You can. You can. I don't think he'll be insulted. <laughs> I don't I think, think he would. I mean, so. I think he'd agree with us, I think. So, <laughs> a brief side note, do you, have you liked Jude Law in anything else? I mean, he never. I, he's one of those guys that jumped out. I, I appreciate him for what he is, but it's just I don't know. He's not one of my favorites. The talented um, Mr. Ripley. That that would be you know, one. We should review yeah. that movie because I I saw that movie way too young and just uh-huh. did not understand it. I think okay. that movie needs to be on this podcast. Put it on your list. Yeah. But no, it wasn't so much the acting. I think it was just the idea of a character who like. I, I, we can come back to it, but okay. I, mean, I, I just felt like it wasn't like uh, it didn't feel like a real character. Everybody else was just like these regular guys, and he was this like oh deeply backgrounded like he takes photographs. He's also right. That's, like it, it was, it didn't feel real. Well, it's a very. I don't think. I think his acting was fine. I think he I think he did a good job as a villain as this creepy like mm-hmm. sallow, gross guy. I think he did a great job there. It was just the character and, and everything surrounding it. I didn't like. Right. Now he's. Uh, I remember uh, before this movie came out. I'm pretty sure AI came out, Steven Spielberg's movie about right, yes. with uh, uh, Haley Joel Osment, and he plays uh, Gigolo, Gigolo Joe in Joe. that movie. Yeah. And he has a very similar, it's a very kind of, I don't want to say athletic, they're both kind of athletic performances in a way, very, you know, uh, body oriented. He's always doing things with his hands that are kind of creepy in both movies, not, well, maybe not Gigolo Joe, but, you know, he's he acts with his body a lot in both movies. And so I really enjoyed him in AI, and I thought, well, uh, you know, I was enjoying watching while he, what he was doing in uh, Road to Perdition so it didn't really didn't really bug me and I guess it didn't take me out of it you know for whatever reason I, I didn't respond the same way to that character because um, the, 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 I guess maybe because I was being too distracted by the kid which was taking me out of the movie I mean and you're, you're saying that you know there's, it's hard to judge child acting I mean I, I feel yeah, like well, there's what did he do exactly that bothered you the kid well, I just you know his, his I guess his line readings I mean I, I, I don't know I mean the, I, I it's hard. You're right. Child acting is a hard, is a hard thing to judge. Although you, I can, I do think there's maybe a scale, and maybe at the bottom of it is Jake Lloyd and 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 episode one, and maybe at the you know I'm trying to think of where the top would be, but maybe Anna Paquin in, in the piano or something. Well, the thing about uh, judging uh, children 
you know, acting and all that kind of thing is the one thing that bothers me about children in movies. I hate when they're overly precocious, mm-hmm. like when yeah. the, when the child knows too much and is too smart. And speaks too and, properly. And, and, or, and, yeah. and the one thing I give this movie credit for is I feel like that never crossed the bounds. With it. Like I feel like he said things that someone his age would say. My mm-hmm. my only gripe came with when he anytime he needed to yell or show any emotion, he just. He, I find this with a lot of children, a child actors. I don't think they have enough like pain experience, understand like a real like pain scream for somebody. Mm-hmm. Anytime something happened with his father, be like paw paw, but it didn't seem like this real guttural. Stupid you know. kids and their lack of life experience. Yeah, really, I mean, come on, <laughs> can someone get on that, please? Educate them a little. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's always amazing. I mean, if you, if you remember Looper, Looper had a kid who who was like seven or eight or something, that kid, and that, that kid, kid was, was amazing. Scary. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, some kids just have like a scary natural talent that yeah. that uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter that they don't have a life experience. They just they're able. Of course, this kid was what for 13 14 probably supposed to be 11 or 12 in the movie 14 yeah yeah so uh i don't know i mean you know it, it wasn't a, i didn't think it was a bad performance i just thought it, no. it just it just didn't get to the level that that for me would have made it like you know like wow i'm really understanding what this kid's going through and and how he feels about his dad i mean it was very important like you said you said the emotional beats I guess I feel the same way about you as uh, when it comes to like the emotional beats at the end of the movie. I didn't really connect that much to them, but I was enjoying the movie. I felt like it was entertaining, so you know was that was enough for I me. I was almost I think. won over by the ending, just to how cinematic it is, and um, we'll get there in a little bit. But I just want to talk about a couple things. Uh, how do you guys feel about the pacing of the movie? Because I, this is a slowly paced movie. I like slowly paced movies. I know you do, yeah. and it's. Um, it's an action film, but the action is very methodical. It's not... This isn't a guns blazing movie. In yeah. fact, the most important shooting and killing happens very quickly. And in fact, you don't, you don't see a lot and of... Which one are you... Oh, oh you're talking about the... Um, should we just talk about that Yeah, we can get scene? into that okay. now. So um, the actual overarching... like The real evil person in this movie isn't even Jude Law's character. He's so comical. The true evil person is, um, Daniel, Craig. is Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. who's Paul right. Newman's son, which is interesting in a couple, for a couple of reasons. One, because Daniel Craig is now the Adonis that plays James Bond. Right. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, you know... You know the perfect man, and he's become yeah, right. he's become the Hollywood superstar. In this movie, he is a creepy, wiry, weird, yeah. like ugly, freakish-looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's the big bad. He's the he's the whiny little you know. He's the one who's rotten, right? Yeah. He's like yeah. the rotten to the core. You know. He's the one who, uh, you know, Tom Hanks had, does, is a hitman. He's just killing for a living. But he's the one that he has a certain sense of honor about him, has a certain maturity. Daniel Craig's character isn't affected by it, which is what's creepiest of all. You know, like when that—that's like the true horror of it. You know, well, no, no, I would say I actually might argue the opposite because Tom Hanks can keep things professional, whereas Daniel Craig loses his cool, kills the guy on impulse, starts deciding he's going to go. I feel like he's too emotionally invested because of the relationship with his father and Tom Hanks. Right. Yeah, and I would say I would say that probably some of Tom Hanks's moral. uh, the moral high ground that he has, it, I'm assuming, is because he has a family. I mean, you can imagine Tom Hanks's character could have been just like Daniel Craig's character had he not. Maybe who knows how he ended up with his family? I mean, you know, he. he I'm assuming his character is supposed to be about 40, so he probably had kids when he was, you know, late mid to late 20s. So, you know, and Daniel Craig's character is probably about that same age. So maybe, maybe the movie's trying to say something about like, uh, you know. Fathers and family men, you know, are are, 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 are good, right? Right, have some kids, you know, because you have more at stake. You have more. You 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 have you understand uh, the value of life more. Not that you can't understand the value of life more as 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 a single as a single person, obviously, because I was single for a long time, but. I would say he didn't appreciate his family until he lost until the majority he lost of it. Until yeah. he lost. That's kind of like the movie. That's the journey of the movie. He wants to appreciate his son by going on this. But I'll say this. Right. I, think, I think having a family makes him less, mm-hmm. makes him more selfless. I think he's right. less focused. Whereas right. I think Daniel Craig is this mm-hmm. young. Very selfish. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, the, it, I guess the question is, so what makes Tom Hanks more of a moral person and it, it could than just be, Daniel Craig? I it mean, could just be, you know, just their character, just who they are. And he, he tends to... Be a little bit calmer. He's mm-hmm. a little bit older too. I think mm-hmm. being older mellows you a little bit. We don't. We haven't seen him when he was younger. He might have been just as hot headed. Right. If, um, I'm, if I'm, was he? I, I kind of got the sense that he was a, an adopted son at yeah, some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I not think he really was officially adopted. Okay. I just think that he didn't have he a father figure, in, right. and the father figure became Paul Newman. Okay. In case, yeah. Which is what I got from that. I wanted to throw out an interesting comparison to this movie when I was watching it from the beginning. And I'm pretty sure this movie came out around the same time as the movie I want to compare it to, and that is Gladiator. 
And I, I, don't, I, I doubt either one oh. of you probably came up okay. with this comparison. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. Uh, is it the death of family? No, 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 no. I mean, it has a very similar I, start to the movie. And, yeah. and uh, so, you know, you have Paul Newman, who's this king. Just like in Gladiator, you have this king. You have this king character. Uh, uh, character. You have a Tom Hanks, who's the Russell Crowe character, who's like the adopted um, more loved, the, more loved, actual, more yeah. loved than the actual son, and then in Joaquin Phoenix, you have uh, yeah. you have uh, Daniel Craig, and you know, and then it, the same kind of thing ends up happening where, you know, uh, the, the king unfortunately has to. Well, not the same exact thing, but you have the same kind of idea, and I feel like it's yeah. probably. I, I was looking to see if there was like this was like a universal story. You know, that it's was, a trope. I think yeah, the one son, maybe not necessarily the adopted son. I think that's what's. Right. them together with the, the jealousy of being loved less than your other brother or right. your sibling. I mean, it could yeah. be like a Cain and Abel thing. Cain and Abel, right, right. Cain and Abel, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I thought that was interesting. I don't know why Gladiator came to mind when watching it. Obviously, nothing else in the movie can... Well, both have can, amazing scores. Like, yes. the score for this movie is phenomenal. I think it's Thomas Newman. Thomas Newman, Newman, yeah. That was also nominated for an Oscar. Um, Chariots in both movies as well. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Got to work on that dry delivery. A little bit too dry. I'm a little tired right now. That one went right over my head. <laughs> no, it, I don't know. It's um, it's a fun movie to dissect in retrospect, and I feel like I I started getting more on board with it towards the end. And I started. I think when I realized what the point of the movie was, the point of the movie is that Tom Hanks, or at least in my opinion, the over, we talk about we're talking about fathers and sons, right? But the overall theme of the movie is what a father wants to impart to his son. Mm-hmm. And you know, Tom Hanks's overall goal, a man who has been killing his entire life, is to impart a desire not to kill, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful message, actually. And I, you know, at the end, I was like, I was almost there, and for some reason, it just didn't quite sell it for me. And I, I, I think there must there's something to the sterility of the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. Um, like the end killing scene is really cool from a technical perspective because you don't see that Jude Law is actually in the room with that him. That shot, by the way, is amazing. The and, reflection in the glass. The reflection him, in the glass. You see his son, you yeah. see him, and you see Jude Law. Well, you don't see Jude Law until later. At least I didn't. No, uh, no. Well, when he's in the window, you see him get up. And okay. then you see the shot. You see the sun run off the beach. You see Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Hanks <laughs> get shot. Which is it, it is really cool framing. But again, I think that the filmmaker in me was so wor- thinking about the technical of how it was done that I couldn't distance myself from it. So again, right, yeah, this yeah, may yeah, be yeah. a very personal reaction to something and, and less to do with the you right. know the actual point of it so <laughs> I, I think that i was thinking uh watching this also what would have made this connect with me a little bit more and i'm feeling like maybe the fact that, i mean i'm a fan of tom hanks I, I know you know um sorry should i pause no no oh, okay <laughs> i was examining something that i shouldn't have been. sorry um i'm a fan of tom hanks i was back then i've been for a long time but uh, i feel like maybe we would have got a little more out of the movie had the had the lead lead character been maybe an unknown you know maybe you would have swapped tom hanks with uh daniel craig or something you know maybe try to make tom hanks a bit probably not maybe not tom, well, tom hanks, hanks is a bad is playing guy against type in a lot of ways here though too he's playing a stoic right um killer which killer, is yeah. very i mean right. tom hanks is the likable everyman he's yeah, not right. a likable everyman in this movie and i mean how likable is tom hanks character and does he have to be likable for you to enjoy the movie i, I think he was I think he was a likable mob guy. I think he was the guy that you know he takes care of business, but I don't get the same cold-hearted killer that I would get maybe from another from another actor. I felt for him it was like he was dependable, he was like honorable, professional. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I think that's kind of what they wanted to get across. But at the same time, I was reading uh, the graphic novel. He's his character O'Sullivan in the graphic novel is like supposed to be this like feared like top of the line assassin, and everyone kind of has this this distant respect for him. I didn't get that same sense from... I think they, they took it in a different direction, maybe because he was more of a, a father. They wanted to kind of hone in on the father role more, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I guess part of the problem was I couldn't watch the movie without thinking, like, oh, I'm watching Tom Hanks. As much as I, I think, you know, I believe everything he's saying, I still know that, you know, I'm watching Tom Hanks with a mustache in a period, <laughs> in a period movie. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe someone like Daniel Craig might have been a more interesting choice as the father. He might have been too young. Um but uh, it would have been interesting to kind of switch that up, or maybe maybe Jude. I guess Jude Law was kind of a well-known uh, uh, actor at the time. But um, I think another actor besides Tom Hanks might have also made me connect with it more. Uh, I'm not I sure. I, I I liked him. I liked him in yeah. the role. No, I liked him but, too. Yeah. But, but uh, I'm curious yeah. what you guys think the legacy of this movie is. Um, like, uh, I mean, here we are in 2013. This movie comes out in the early 2000s. Um, 
does is this a movie that is on everyone's DVD shelf? Is this no. the movie? No. Like, and no. why? But why is that? I, and I don't know because when it came out, I remember seeing previews for it and saying I'd love to go see it, and I just never did. And like I'm even sure. now, I feel like I uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, and, and I, I, I really liked it. I'm surprised that I hadn't heard more about it. Like Gladiator for me, that that's some, a movie that you always hear. Oh, that was one of the big ones from back in the day. That was really well. And I feel like I don't think it was necessarily at the same level, but I felt like I would have thought I would have heard more about it. All right. Well, Russell Crowe was not that well known when Gladiator. I mean, he was, if you were a, mm. a movie fan, but, you know, he kind of, you know, people was watched that though, movie. Was, isn't Russell Crowe a huge star? Well, well he, he wasn't a huge, he, that movie made him a huge star, okay. I'm pretty sure, but... Um, yeah. You know, and he, when he was well known enough to get cast in a in a summer blockbuster, but he wasn't, uh, you know, what what he eventually became. I think yeah. uh, Tom Hanks, on the other hand, has been in, in had been in you know lots of blockbusters, lots of well known movies, and um, uh, anyway, um, glad you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't uh, sit on anyone's shelf most likely, but maybe you know maybe in a, another decade or two. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just, you never, I wonder, you never know because. Um, Talking about movies that didn't quite hit when they, you know, came out in uh, in the theater. Like, I don't think this movie. I mean, it did fine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like this massive success. It wasn't a failure. It just kind of just came and you know did what it did needed to do. But another right. movie like that is um, that on the internet, especially recently, is the uh, assassination of uh, Jesse, Jesse James. James. Oh Cal my Ford. god! Right. But that, yeah. when that movie came out, it did poorly critically. It did awful at the box office, and now it's found this resurgence on the internet where all of a sudden people are writing about it and talking mm-hmm. about how it's one of the most important movies of the past. I don't remember doing that poorly critically though. It didn't do like wonderfully. It, got it was, no, up, against, got no, it was up against 310 right. to Yuma though at the time. I think that kind of right. stole a lot of its thunder. But right. 310 to Yuma is more of a pulpy like western. That is, this is a, and the reason I bring right. up. Right, and that's why I think it was a lot more. And I just, I mean, are in five years, are we going to see the Road to Perdition articles like storm the beaches? No, and, no, or, probably not. So. I mean, I, you know, I think you're, I think Sam Mendes is a, is a very good director. I think he's actually gotten I think he's actually gotten better over the years. Honestly, I think Skyfall was terrifically directed. Uh, I thought Revolutionary Road was was uh, really well done. Um, but you know, American Beauty, Road to Perdition, those were his first couple movies. And uh, I guess it's it's hard not to talk about this movie without talking about. I mean, he had just directed American Beauty a couple years before this, and that movie won you know a bunch of Oscars: director, picture, actor. Uh, I'm not sure if it, I think screenplay too. And so you know. That's a movie that at the time was very well received, very well critically acclaimed. But over the past decade, decade and a half, it, I think it's kind of lost some of its luster. It's lost some of its critical reputation. And you know, I guess I'm, <laughs> I, I should ask you. Well, well, I'm asking you guys. Well, what, what's, what's your what's your opinion of Sam Mendes as a director? I mean, do you like yeah, his other a, movies? That's actually a good question. Um, I think Sam Mendes is a terrific stylist. I don't. I didn't love Skyfall. I think Skyfall looks amazing, but mm, I think well. that's I think that Skyfall's and that's I think may have more to do with Deacons than it uh, does yeah. to do with um, might like, have a little bit to do with Deacons. But I feel like Skyfall is a boring movie. Ah, oh, boy. I, I I just the plot of that movie is ridiculous. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I just started like I'm like, it just the stakes of it feel so low. Like the whole movie is about killing one woman and. He goes about it in the dumbest way possible, and the movie's not about killing one woman. It's about James Bond, you know, hitting bottom and coming back. You know, it's about James Bond reenacting Home Alone and his. Uh, everybody yeah. who says that annoys the hell yeah, out of me. Man, like, <laughs> I don't know. That movie didn't do it. For me. Like Home Alone was the first home invasion like, movie. Obviously, <laughs> yes. I'm, obviously, I'm wrong about that because Skyfall is the highest grossing James Bond movie of all time. It's the highest grossing movie of all time in London or the UK. So. um that movie is, it did amazing. So mm-hmm. it, it, um, I'm, my only movie by Sam Mendes I truly love is American Beauty. American I think Beauty. that has a lot to do about, I mean, at the time, it feels almost quaint now, mm-hmm. but at the time that movie had a lot to say about like American subculture and what goes behind the, the, the walls of white picket fences, like mm-hmm. the, the, the image of perfection, but in reality mm-hmm. what... Right. The darkness and then, the dark and, underbelly, and you know, and then we start getting Alan Ball, who wrote that movie, ended up making um, Six Feet Under, Six Feet Under, which is very tonally similar to American mm-hmm. Beauty. They all have a lot of very similar themes about the perfection that we 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 try to exhibit on the outside, mm-hmm. but the reality and how messed up we are right. on the inside. So I think that that movie is his strongest. Has less to do with Sam Mendes as a director and Alan Ball as a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now to say that Sam Mendes is untalented is ridiculous. The man knows more about how to frame shots than I ever will, and his movies look. Phenomenal. I just don't think he knows how to impart a movie with soul. 
And I think that if I was to critique Road to Perdition, I feel like it is a technically crafted masterpiece that mm-hmm. is lacking soul. And I don't know why that is. So but I wonder who could have directed this movie in a way that would have made it connect more. I, mean, I think I, Spielberg would have been a great candidate. Right. I, well, I was thinking this felt very much like a Spielberg it's movie. It's father and son, and it's right. about uh, family and all that. So, I mean, right. that's just off the top of my head. But um, someone like that, that would give it that kind of, then again, Spielberg may have made it really cheesy and over the top and saccharine. And, you know, there, there's ways to... to def- to, to say that's a terrible well, idea. Well, it definitely would have been scored by John Williams, and it definitely would have been a lot more of the scores. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think? Of, how, many, how many movies have you seen by Sam <laughs> Are you really going to do this to me? Oh, well. Uh, Skyfall. Uh, There's not that many to choose from. You're right. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, he did Away We Go, I'm, yes, I'm not mistaken. Yes, I haven't seen yeah. that, no. No, I haven't seen that either. Um, it was Revolutionary like, Road, Away you, We Go, Road to Perdition, and American Beauty. So um, wait, that's, that's it. it? That's I'm pretty sure entire... that's it. That and Skyfall. Wow. I mean, he he spends yeah. a lot of time on the stage, which I think probably get, you know you're saying he's a vi- great visual stylist. I think he's also very good with actors. I mean, you know, I I was a fan of Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. I was a I was a fan of of almost everybody in Road to Perdition. I thought that he uh, direct you know he's good with actors. Nothing feels no performances feel clunky in his movies. Um, did you guys see Revolutionary Road? I did, yeah. I, uh, that I did. The, uh, the Leo DiCaprio, Kate right. Winslet joint. Right. It, it didn't exactly bring, me to, bring me to tears. <laughs> no, the thing about, the, again, my issue with Revolutionary Road is um, I have movies that their entire point is just to put us through misery for two hours. And mm-hmm. that movie is an examination of misery between yes. two people for two hours. And you could argue that it's very well acted, which it is, and it looks beautiful, which it does. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't want to deal with this right now yeah like, so it's, it's not the kind of movie you maybe sit through more than a, once or twice but, yeah, yeah but uh you know i feel like that movie is another some of now we were looking at this you know uh, sam mendes movies maybe they're like precursors to tv shows and that feels like a precursor to mad men uh, oh that's a good point i never know, thought about that that's you know, a similar time period yeah um similar aesthetic yeah that's an actually interesting point point. and uh, american beauty i mean I, six feet i guess the connection there would be six feet under but um, you know, I, I noticed a lot of, you know, in terms of the music, I noticed a lot of, you know, it was Thomas Newman that scored, uh, I think, American Beauty and Road to Perdition. I'm not sure about the rest of his movies, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, moments where I thought, well, that sounds a lot like the opening credits for Six Feet Under. I and mean, there's a lot of, like, like, like uh, string moments, like creepy string moments where I felt like, ah, it's, uh, you know, sounds just like, you know, a lot of what I'm hearing. I'm sorry, you're going to... No, no, go okay. ahead. Um, yeah, so I think Thomas Newman's stuff is, is pretty good in this movie. There's a lot of piano. There's a lot of creepy strings. Yeah, it's a good um, score. It's a really solid score. I actually oh, I kind of want to buy it now just to you know, listen to yeah. in the background. Before I want, I want to get into Mike's nerdy um, uh, symbolism discussion, but before sure. we do that... Um, I, <laughs> like you guys haven't been talking about nerdy stuff up to this point. <laughs> yeah, whatever, <laughs> right. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about um, things I didn't understand in the movie, and this is just me being a dumb movie viewer. What exactly is the impetus for Daniel Craig's character to kill Tom Hanks's family? Oh, jealousy. Oh, that was a mistake. He okay. Well, he's wait, and wait. okay. So one because is he is he afraid that the boy is going to tell on him? Is that it? I, I even, think so. But, I think he, well, but he got the like. But he obviously knows who the boy is, so he kills the wife who knows nothing. And then well, she was there. I mean, he had to. And then now, hang on. That was at the same time that. Tom Hanks was also getting assassinated, right? Well, I feel like, or so he was trying to have the guy in the brothel kill him. Right. Yes. Was, right. They, no, right. No. Daniel Craig basically tried to set everything up at once. He was going to go. Yeah. F- he was going to go kill. Oh, Craig uh, said that I'm not Paul Newman. Oh, that, no, no, that no, was no, Daniel no. Craig. It was not, it was not Paul Newman. It that's why he Paul handed Newman. him the letter. He said, "You take this to right. the guy it, and give it to it him." Was, it was Paul and Newman. It was not not Paul Newman. Sorry. Right. right. He had yeah. the money from laundering from his father to to fund the guy's debt and just say, "If you kill him, I'll give you all this money and everything's taken care of." Gotcha. Right. It was Daniel Craig's master. Well, a very kind of impulsive plan that one night. I feel like a lot of it came from. You know, at the, there's this party scene at the beginning. So he's killing where, the, you, where they're showing this like obvious jealousy and and kind of the way core of rottenness that Daniel Craig's characters has. You know, he doesn't he doesn't get up to greet the kid. He's sitting there smoking. Great he's, scene, he's, by he's, the he's, way. He's, looking, and he's not. It's a good introduction to his character. Right. right? Um, and, and he's also not pre- present mm-hmm. at this event. He's right. he's the outsider. You right. know. There's this moment that uh, Tom Hanks sits down at the piano and plays with Paul Newman. It's a very intimate kind of father-son-like thing to do. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's on the outside saying, you know, you could just you could just feel the kind of resentment and jealousy there. So I feel like there's already that there. I think he was just looking for the opportunity. Like, uh, uh, you know, one day this guy's going to mess up and I'm going to ruin his life and, you know, take that dad, you know. 
So I feel like that's what really... I think also it came right on the heels of his father reprimanding him in front of everybody, where he tells him like, "Hey, you just killed this guy. You better apologize." Right. And he's like, "I'm. So, I would like to apologize. You would like to apologize. Try again, like three right. times in front of everybody. He gets embarrassed, and then right. he walks off with Tom Hanks, like right. arm in arm, you know, right. or arm around his shoulder, or whatever. I think you could just see in that scene. He just like so. It was you know, a combination of jealousy. Right. It was a combination yeah. of he wanted to cover his own tracks. Uh, a combination of all these things. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes a little bit more sense in retrospect. I mean, I think the more we're talking about it, the more I'm starting to actually like the film because, like, I'm starting to realize. Happen. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm starting to like, 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 I didn't quite pick up on. They did a really good job of setting up why Daniel Craig is, would be so jealous of Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. uh, just because you know they, they established this bond that, that he's the son that he wants to be. And he's also mm-hmm. he, he, there's something about him that's also like tremendously immature and almost childlike there's the scene where his father finds out about everything and they have that, that scene in the room where he starts yelling at him he basically starts crying and then he starts beating him. him starts beating him right 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 yeah he like just cowers like a little child I guess yeah. so there's that, that, that side of him that's like very stunted emotionally and I think like that mm. plays a major role in why he does the things he does and right. why you know right yeah. no I mean I think it's actually a really good point um, I I I like the movie more and more. So let's talk for another 20 minutes. I think it was my comparison to Gladiator. I think it, it we're going to get you. Ever. So uh, nerdy symbolism, go. Mike. Oh, whoa, all right, here we go. All right, we're getting in there. Let's fire him off. One all right, by one. so, so there, there was one shot in the movie that really, really stood out to me. I'm watching, I'm looking at the colors going into this, and like I'm, the, the palette It's very muted. It's very muted. There's like, I think like three, it's like black, white, and like browns, and just right. like varying yeah, shades of browns very, yeah. and dark, dark greens or whatever. Um, and then there's one shot, and it's when Tom Hanks and the ch- his son are at the uh, at the casket, um, kneeling down to pray for the guy who had, who had died the of the wake. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know about the opening. It's yeah, early on in the movie. It's yeah. like one of the first like a couple ten minutes or so. And uh, his son sees the ice melting, and like and his water dripping into like a pot. And right next to the pot is a bright green plant. Now at this point, everything is very muted. That's the first time you see like a very vivid, bright green color. And uh, what Tom Hanks tells me is that he says like the ice is supposed to help preserve the body. And now, if you look at the whole the whole movie, the the first half or so is all snow. Everything is snow, mm-hmm. ice. When his son sees the murder, it's raining. Mm-hmm. And then, as the movie goes on, it's a progressive thaw. And they go up to um, when they both take flight. They both go up to uh, Chicago. Everything right. at that point is green fields, grassy. And the more the movie goes through, it goes through spring, and then you get these lush fields like mm-hmm. green grass, and there's no snow at all. So I feel like the whole movie, and there's something else too with fire as well. The whole movie for me is a thawing, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's symbolic. And that's why, I, and I think a because I was conscious of, of this innocence or lack of innocence. No, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think it's a thawing of Tom Hanks's character, absolutely. his own son. Sure. Yes, it's Tom Hanks because I think in some way he has that conversation with the, um, Paul Newman in the basement. They talk about how like they're they're both damned. We're we're both going to hell. We've killed so many people. Um, and he just talks about, I think it's, in the, the ice preserves the body. It's maybe the, that, that frozenness, that coldness is a way of them dealing with what they have to do day to day. Mm-hmm. And the fact that everything happens now, it's almost, and, and what's interesting is that the thawing is dripping water, which, you know, in that, in that shot, the thawing dripping water into next to near that plant, which is so bright and vivid. And then from there, the color green is actually very, and color red and green, I think are the two major colors in the movie. Yeah. That are reused and reused. Red blood. Um, mm-hmm. It's I'm thinking placed about in that. a lot of like. I'm thinking about the diner sequence. The um, diner. And also, the I, believe, I believe the car starts out. The well, car turns to red. But yes, which I think is backwards. I think it should it's turn to, to it green. It should turn mm-hmm. to green. It, it should turn to green. Didn't it start theory. green or dark? It starts green and goes red. And they make a point of showing them paint. I'm like, guys, did it wrong. If they it just painted been. it backwards, it'd be, yeah. it'd be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I'm getting it 100%, but I think the color green. I'm not sure what green is supposed to symbolize 100%. I want to say it could just be youth. It could be the sons, like because he's in the green car when they go to see the uh, mm-hmm. the killing. But just th- that's the thing I want to kind of talk about. Because then one other part of that too is that fire. Um, fire is, I think, two places in the movie. There's one scene where he's lighting candles in the church when they first, I think, go. Okay, and that's you know. when he goes to visit Paul Newman. No, it's later. It's after they they. There. I think they're on their way up to either on their way to Chicago okay, or they're there yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, him yeah. and his son are in the church oh, gotcha, and gotcha, he's gotcha. kneeling down, he's lighting candles. Mm-hmm. And the other big scene is when his son, when they're staying at the old people's uh, barn, and his son comes downstairs to talk to him. And he, he walks in the room and the room is lit by candlelight, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen at that point. And they have a, a, a discussion where they have, it's basically their first real bonding experience where they actually open up and he says like, why do you love your, uh, my, yeah, what's the other son's name, Peter? No, he's Peter. No, he's a, he's a junior. He's a, Michael he, and Peter, I'm pretty sure. Right, so Peter's one. Of, you're Peter's right, the one that ends so up getting. He killed. asked him why why'd you mm-hmm. love Peter more than me. He's like, I didn't. 
I didn't love him more than you. I just I saw more of me and you, and I. So they had this, this that wonderful bonding. That was my bonding. actual favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah, and I think um, and me too, and I think because that was one I actually emotionally connected to. Right. Um, and I feel like my favorite. This movie well, hang on, let me just we'll come back. We'll come back. So I just want to talk about what happens in that scene okay. visually. So they're they're having this wonderful conversation lit by candlelight, right? And then when he leaves the room, the shot is an over-the-shoulder shot of Tom Hanks and a fire, a roaring fireplace in the background, which you don't see. So it starts out with a couple of candles and then a big fireplace. And from that point on, that's when they really start bonding. So I feel like it's that idea of warmth. thawing. Warmth. Yeah, warmth. Yeah. Not, not only did it thaw, but now it's like a fire igniting. You know, that, that whole... Like and I think the next day, it's actually, I think he his character then shaves and kind of, he's like, all right, we're ready to roll. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of ignited at that point. He's ready to move and take action, so... No, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's actually uh, very erudite reading of the symbolism of the <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry I interrupted you you are going to say something about that, that scene oh, in particular I, I, the movie really got going for me I, I, I felt like it started slow for me but I really feel like it connects when after the diner sequence which I think is a really well done scene um, when Jude Law you know confronts him and then it becomes kind of like this buddy crime movie between his son <laughs> buddy cop movie <laughs> it does but right. in a way I mean there's something that's very enjoyable to watch about in that because that's the part that's character stuff that's emotion that's Mm-hmm. These two people that you want to come together. That's what. That's why we go to movies. We want to see that yeah. happen. And I, I and started feeling like that connection made the movie for me. And what I liked is that him teaching his son how to drive. I think is a, is a classic father son right. coming of age. But done in such drive. different circumstances. Right. The contextualization right. of that scene is so different. I mean, I mean, teaching your son how to drive. But we have to do this so I can rob a bank. Is really <laughs> right. a, a right. funny, interesting twist on something. For right, me. and so. it's almost a setup to actually what amounts I think to a pretty funny moment in the movie where you know he comes out of the bank and you're used to like a car pulling up and they speed away right it's and instead it's the car jerky. steadily <laughs> comes into frame from whatever from right and then we're not in a rush or anything you know right, <laughs> right. and right. Uh, so the kid is driving and Tom Hanks just kind of casually hits the car but I think that's kind of the tone of the robberies is he's not he's not bursting into into yeah. banks and like saying everybody put up your hands he's casually going to the back talking to the manager and and you know saying look I'm here to take your money. Let's not make a big deal. Let's not make a big What's scene. interesting is that, like, I, there, he, I, I see a, a distinct decision on his part for um, to not engage in violence from from a certain point onward. And in fact, when they're in the diner with Jude Law and he grabs a knife from the table and goes mm-hmm. to the bathroom, I was expecting a butter knife, no less. Right, right. That would have been interesting. <laughs> I was expecting, yeah, Jude Law to follow him into the bathroom and he's going to get stabbed. and It would have been done. Mm-hmm. He instead he flees, puts the knife in the tire, and takes off. And I was like, that's an interesting for an assassin to do that versus waiting in the bathroom or pulling a gun or something. Mm-hmm. I felt that was an interesting, and I, I don't know if that was conscious or whatever, but I, I thought that was you know not a nonviolent solution to the situation they were in versus killing the guy, which he shouldn't have had any problem with. Right. Well, I feel like at that point he wasn't completely sure that Jude Law's character was who he was, but I feel like Enough to he wasn't going to... Well, right. right. He wasn't going to take any chances, though. So, right. Yeah. right. Um, and just a final you know, note for me about this movie about theme and fathers and sons. You're talking about um, when um, Tom Hanks meets with Paul Newman's character and he talks about how we're both damned. You know, mm. um, It talks about the idea that one of the great thrills and one of the exciting things about me and uh, who's about to have a child is the idea that everything is possible again. Um, Everything, everything is good again. There's Redemption. No, there's yeah. no. They haven't made any mistakes yet. They're, Sorry, they're no, per, they, there's something great about that. Even like stupid things that I've done in my past. Like I don't have enough. Like they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. They have the opportunity. They they right. won't. Right. But they have that that opportunity, which is a very beautiful thing. That's right. a very. Uh, well, I think the there's cornerstone of humanity. Right? I think there's also something else that it says, and it's actually a line by Paul Newman where he actually says he actually. When I say it's some some of Sam Mendes' films are a little heavy-handed, sometimes there are lines like this where he's, where Paul Newman says, "Sons are put on this earth to trouble their fathers." So I feel like at the same time, while you know children can redeem you, or 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 your children can do, um, you know, things that you uh, wish you would have done. Uh, at the same time, there's you know, at, there's also the fact that. Uh, you know, they're making your life so much more difficult than they might have. Uh, example. I mean, <laughs> right. he does. He's the, he's the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and exactly. that could also show that if you're a crappy father, you get Daniel Craig out of the entire situation. <laughs> right. So, which is an interesting <laughs> way to look at it. You know what's cool? I want to real quick, just like talking about imparting something for your son, right? I think like Tom Cruise made it. Uh, Tom Cruise. Second time I've done it. Tom Cruise. No, Tom, really? I, I, I can guarantee you Tom Cruise yeah. has not been right for this role. <laughs> no. I actually like Tom Cruise. No, I do like Tom Cruise too, but he would not have been a good choice, you know, yeah. about the same age, I think. So, so, so um, so Tom Hanks makes he, he imparts different a different legacy to his son, right? What I think is interesting, a very chilling scene is the scene where it's after his son sees the murder and Paul Newman shows up at the house 
and he like sees him and he gives the kid the coin that he owed him from the gambling match in the, at the wake and he says like just I want you to remember I forget exactly what he says something like uh, you always repay your debts or something like that he makes some kind of a, a yeah. but he gives it to him and the only other time you see a coin at that point in the movie is on the eyes of the corpse in the casket so for me I, saw, like, I was paying attention to the coin there you know hmm. what I'm talking about no I think I missed the, this so when the, the same scene with the ice and the plan I was talking about earlier. I know what you're talking he about. He looks over, yeah, yeah on, on the eyes of the corpse is two coins, right, which I right. think is a Greek tradition. That's a Greek thing so they can pay, pay to go through the, the river sticks. River right. sticks, yeah. Mm. But I feel like I just thought it was, I wonder if that was intentional, if, you know, the, the fact the only other time you see a coin is on the eyes of a corpse, and it's almost like he's, I, in some way, I almost felt like that was the beginning of him welcoming into welcoming the son into this, like, life of crime, and like, here you go, you're, I'm repaying my debt. You saw something. We know we're to, you know we're together, and I feel like that was like his son was going to start going down that road of like he was already a part of it. He got pulled into it. Right. And I think if it continued down the road, he would have ended up just like everybody else. He would have been in the mob, you know. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, we'll kind of start closing things down here. Um, I wanted to. I mean, the point of this podcast should people review, rewatch this movie. Like, do you suggest like you're, you know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I would I would say, for instance, fans of Boardwalk Empire. If you're a fan of that show, I would say it's definitely interesting to see a movie like this and how it you know, might have influenced that show. Um, you know, and uh, I think if you're a, I think if you're a film fan, I think it's if you haven't seen it, I think it's worth seeing. I, I wouldn't say it's something that you you should just stay away from. I mean. You know, there's a lot of great things. I mean, there's Paul Newman's in this movie. I mean, he's, you know, he wasn't in a lot of movies for the, the, his la, the last 20 years. Is this years. his last movie or no? I'm not sure. It might have been. but it's definitely towards the end of his career. Right. Um, and I was always a big fan uh, Tom. I was always a big uh, Paul. Tom Cruise is constantly coming up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Newman fan. So I, I think that. Uh, he was the hustler. He was the hustler. He was HUD. He was uh, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance I've Kid. I've actually never seen. The um, verdict. Oh, Nobody's he? fool. I mean, he was. A, never seen um, Butch Cassidy. No, I seen Butch. Uh, have you seen Butch, Mike? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, we should watch that one again. That's a good one. Um, no, I was thinking of the one with the eggs. What's the movie? Shoot. The Why eggs. He uh, Paul Newman's on a chain gang. God, Cool uh, Hand Luke. I've yeah. never seen Cool Hand Luke. I've never seen that either. Oh, we have, we may have found <laughs> our next movie. Because <laughs> um, I've ever never actually watched that. Um, but what about you, Mike? I mean. Are you going to add this? Because you seem to be a huge fan of it. Are you going to add this to your DVD I would, shelf? Yeah. I would like to put this on the shelf, yeah. Um, I feel like it's one of those movies that like just kind of escapes. You know, it just, it never, I, I've never heard anything of it aside from, I, anytime I think about this movie, I always go back to the, the fact that like, I saw the commercial on TV and I wanted to see it. And that's the only memory I have. I've never heard of people talking about it. It kind of yeah. just came and went. Um, and I feel like it was a gem I really enjoyed seeing. And I, I liked it a lot. Um, I think some of the shots were incredible. Some of the, like the shot of, uh, Daniel Craig in the bathroom when he gets killed, the, the, the yeah, door, cool. the mirror. Get shots like that. The, the technical style of that. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah right. beautifully. And I think... The blocking of something like that is just cool. It's a, very cinematic. Yeah, yeah. A well-shot movie for me gets me like halfway there. And I think as far as the story being good as well and the acting and the overall messaging, I, I really enjoyed it. So. I feel like maybe this is the kind of movie that people... You know, might see. You know, maybe someone saw it when they were like eighteen, nineteen, and I feel like maybe this influence, the influence of a movie like this, might show up in future movies. I mean, I can't can't guarantee it, but it feels like to me, it feels like that kind of movie. We're like, yeah, well, let's let's make the scene just like that scene where Daniel Craig gets killed, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with the mirror thing. That was really well done. Which actually makes me think of one more thing before we close this out, and, and that's the violence in this movie. We haven't really talked that much about it. A lot of it takes place. A lot, a lot of it actually takes place uh, off screen. There's not a lot of yep. scenes of uh, of you know. There's the scene where Tom Hanks kills the two guys in a very badass kind of way. You know, when he's about to get killed when didn't you know in, in the uh, the bar scene. Uh, but the other brothel, than that, I mean the brothel, the brothel scene, yeah. right, right. Uh, but you know the actual murder that his son witnesses. He doesn't. You know, they don't actually show. They show a little bit of the aftermath. You don't see a lot of that. There's a lot obscured by rain by the right. end. The big yeah. right, shootout. right. Um, there, yeah. You don't see Paul Newman get killed. You just see Tom Hanks's reaction to it. Um, so I love, that. I love the final line though. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's you. Yeah, which is interesting. I, it was it was interesting for me. I think I, you know, but sorry. Yeah, on. it's a, you know it's a good lesson in, in in how to ambush gangsters too. You make sure it's raining. You make sure you're in the dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you make sure you have a, a machine gun, and they don't know you're coming. That's that's a good point because I know I, it was a, a request by I think Tom Hanks and somebody else too. They requested not to make it graphic, and I'm wondering uh, for a movie about violence, why do you think it was rated R? You know, the language is rough enough. You know, you could just start throwing in why why wasn't it? Because like, that would go against the moral of the movie. I'm assuming just the idea. 
idea that Tom Hanks doesn't want his son to be a killer. So if you fetishize violence in a certain way, you're kind of saying to the audience, but isn't it cool? Mm-hmm. But like, no, no, I'm saying not, not in a way that makes it look cool, making it look disgusting, or just showing the horror of it. I think I feel like in some way we are not, I'm never a fan of, I, I like the way it was handled for mm-hmm. the record, but I feel like if you were kind of wanted to show the horror of violence, why would they not whitewash it, but. Right, like if someone like, say, Michael Haneke were to, you know, the guy who made funny games and Amour or something were to direct a movie like this, you know, you feel like you wouldn't get this, you would, everything would be right, you know, there, you know, there wouldn't be any hiding the violence, it would be, yeah. all, you know, everything would be right in your face. No, that's a good question. So, I'm not actually sure, because you're right, yeah. if you're going to try to obscure people from violence, you're going to want to, it's the idea of, um, like, what's that movie, uh, The Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. The whole idea is when the, the hotshot kid in that movie actually sees violence for the first time. Oh, we're talking about Clint Eastwood. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Unfor- Unforgiven, no, The. <laughs> the Unforgiven. Because um, I think there is a The Unforgiven movie. He sees too. how, like, disgusting it actually is, and that's repulsing. Yeah. Like, it's it doesn't glorify violence. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I think it maybe has to go back to Sam Mendes. Maybe we're... Looking to looking at it from too much of a uh, a non technical perspective, maybe Sam. That's just how Sam Mendes shoots things. Like that's his style as a director. It's methodical I, I like it. and well planned out. And I feel like it's less distracting. I feel like people tend to glorify stuff and make it over. You know, I, I liked I like the approach of it. I just thought it was interesting for a movie that's anti violent to mm-hmm. not show the horror of what you know mm-hmm. they're witnessing, what they're doing. You know, that's interesting. So uh, I'm really actually glad we had this conversation because I think I like the movie about like 20 percent more <laughs> because I'm starting to pick up on things that maybe that's how I felt about Blade Runner when we talked no, about yeah, it. No, because yeah. it's um oh I was tired when I watched it. It's not it's not this is not a fast paced movie. If you want to sit yeah. down for like a you know a rollicking action, this is not that movie. Um, and I didn't expect it to be that, but at the same time. Uh, but I, I'm starting to start engaged with it a little bit more, and I'm starting to see more of those emotional nuggets kind of being brought forth. So I would actually. I think this movie doesn't get the due it gets. I feel like this is equally as good as a lot of movies that have gotten put up on certain pedestals mm-hmm. as being, you know, cinematic gems that, you know, represent a lot of different things. And um, it's also good to see Tom Hanks in a role where he's not playing like a Tom Hanksy character, which mm-hmm. is which is cool. Yeah. I would, I would again compare this movie to something like Miller's Crossing. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. I have. You know, I want to rewatch that too because I don't think I fully got right. everything I needed. It would make a really interesting companion piece to that mm-hmm. movie because they're both. Movies that deal with gangsters are both meticulously shot because the Coen mm. brothers are, are incredible stylists in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a very similar theme between – there's in, in Miller's Crossing, there's it's Albert Finney and Gabriel Byrne is kind of a Tom Hanks character in that movie. But I think what makes that movie – elevates that movie, well, it, the Coen brothers are, are – Do you want to do that one next or are we doing are – uh, are, <laughs> well, are we harnessing too much of the same topic? We, I don't know. We'll think about it. It might not be better to switch it up a little bit. But. Yeah. The one thing I want to start doing with this podcast is at the end of the show, we should be like – we should decide mm-hmm. ahead of time what we're going to do so we can add the people that might actually want to listen to the next um, yeah. episode. They can actually like watch uh, along with us. So we'll figure hmm. we'll figure that out. And Snap then, judgment. Mm-hmm. Go for it. What are we doing? <laughs> Miller's Crossing. Let's do it. Done. Problem child three. And um, next month, Home Alone. Miller's Crossing. Home Alone. Uh, um, yeah, let's do it. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Miller's Crossing. And it also okay. may make an interesting companion piece with uh, um, Inside Llewellyn Davis, which is you know coming I'm out with. That's true. That's, that's yeah. a good point. We could we could do a Coen Brothers. Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've pretty much seen everything they've done, um, minus, I think, Intolerable Cruelty. But uh, Miller's Crossing is one of my favorite. Movie. Not a very good movie. Miller's Crossing is one of my favorites. Is that your favorite it, it's one of my favorite Mine's Coen Barton Brothers. Barton Fink, but that's it's, good. It's, 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 they good practically came out at the same time they were, they were doing them. I think Barton Fink was like um, maybe written uh, on, a, on a, like a, they got stuck trying to write Miller's Crossing, I think, and then Barton Fink came, because it's about a writer who has writer's block. Writer's block yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Miller's Crossing, I think what elevates that movie is is the dialogue. I think Road to Perdition has a decent script and decent dialogue, but I think Miller's Crossing had, you know, very stylized, very, you know, memorable dialogue. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel, you know, Miller's Crossing, if I was if I were to choose between the two, I would say definitely Miller's Crossing. Well, we're going to find to- out next week when Mike actually gets to watch it. <laughs> oh, weeks from oh now. really right. excited. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So this has been an interesting conversation about this movie. I'm actually glad we talked about it when you first mentioned. It. I'm like, yeah, it's not that classic, but <laughs> you know, it may actually have some merit in that regard. So if you haven't seen Road to Perdition, you know, go back and give it a shot. It may actually be one of the better San Mendes movies, in my opinion, because I'm again, I'm not in love with Skyfall and Revolutionary Road. I can give or take. So um, yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts before we say goodbye, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, gentlemen. Uh, goodbye, gentlemen. I All think right. we're done. All right. Sounds good, guys. We will see you next week. 